I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So which player will the Bucks pick in the first round of the NFL draft? We've got it right here tonight. You don't have to wait till Thursday. The LA Times does one of the best mock drafts using beat writers from across the country. And Sam Farmer, longtime NFL writer with the LA Times, is going to join us to break down not just the quarterbacks in the draft that will affect the Bucks pick, but what's likely to happen Thursday, according to the insiders who cover the team. And Sam is a great storyteller. You guys are in for a treat today. But before we get started, let me tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you'll also get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Sam Farmer covers the NFL for the Los Angeles Times. You read his work all over the country, and uh, he's one of my uh, my favorite colleagues, and he joins us now. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Rick. How you doing? Great to be with you. Um, and you've had a, a mock draft that you do every year that I participate in. It's not why it's my favorite mock draft, because I'm in it, but... I actually uh, trust a lot of the uh, a lot of the beat writers and and the people that you contact that are um, you know really plugged into their teams all over the country and we'll get to that in just a moment. But before we start, I got to have you tell one of my favorite anecdotes because Sam's been uh, covering uh, the NFL for a lot of years in in Los Angeles, and as we know, there was a little gap there of about twenty or so years where there wasn't a team, and so every year we would go to the Super Bowl and Roger Goodell stands up there, and the guy from the Associated Press usually gets the first question. And very soon after, they go to Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times. And every single year, for like the, for 20 straight years, it seemed, Sam would ask essentially the same question of the commissioner, which was? I would ask some variation of when are we getting a team? That's when is correct. LA when is Los Angeles going to get a football team? And that was always a discussion in the league, and it was always on the agenda, but it never quite materialized. And so year after year, you knew it was coming, and it had to be asked. And there was, you know, different variations of the same answer, which was we're, we're very interested in, in moving a team back to Los Angeles or having a team in Los Angeles, second largest market, but but really very little progress until, of course, the St. Louis Rams – uh, moved back to Los Angeles and shortly followed afterwards by the San Diego Chargers. And so my favorite moment uh, was a couple years ago, uh, and Sam got up to ask you know, his t- turn in, in the order very, very shortly when the press conference started. And the greatest question I've ever heard was what Sam said, which was what? I asked, and this is largely for the benefit of my buddies like you, because I knew that people were expecting me to ask an L.A. question. I asked, <laughs> when is Los Angeles going to stop getting NFL teams? <laughs> and even Roger had to laugh because it was just like. Oh, it wasn't just Roger. I mean, 
Yeah. You, you brought I mean, down the house with you know, that one. It got to the point where I just, I just stand, I could have stood up and sat down and Roger would have said the same thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're very interested in returning to Los Angeles market. It's got to be right for both the city and for the, for the league, blah, 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 blah. You can never write anything off of the, the answer because you sure. can never sink your hooks into the answer. It just never, never was anything different. So he, he, chuckled at that and i kind of chuckled and you guys you guys chuckled and it was mission accomplished today <laughs> should i waste a bullet here uh you know asking a question waste everybody's time but i said you know what forget it i'm doing it what, what has the sort of the reception i mean obviously all the rams needed to do uh, in my opinion was fire jeff fisher and then moved to L.A., um, but, I mean, not in that order. Yeah. But, you know, they, they had a great year. And what's been the reception of both the Rams and, and, and also the Chargers? Because they're different, right? Yeah, the Rams are starting to get traction. You know, you, you're starting to see – now, L.A. is so big and, and so many varied interests and everything. Um, it, it, they can kind of blend into the background. And we're talking about a year when, when you know, Dodgers went to the World Series. Uh, you know, everybody's got to love the Lakers. So this is a Lakers-Dodgers town. Sure. And so, weirdly, like every other NFL city, the NFL is in first place. Or if not in first place, you know, is tied. You know, you could say in Boston, the Red Sox are a huge deal. Or, you know, Yankees in New York, whatever. But but the NFL team doesn't have to do the song and dance to get attention in LA. They absolutely have to do the soft shoe to get attention. And that goes 10 times for the chargers, uh, because the, you know, the chargers have to build a, a fan base from scratch. They really had no discernible fan base coming up here, even though they started as the LA chargers for one year in 1960. So the Rams with their season last year, I mean, it's a tremendous year. They make the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. They've got the offensive player of the year in Todd Gurley, the defensive player of the year in Aaron Donald, and Sean McVay is coach of the year. Unprecedented. They have all, th- all three of those in one year. And so they did pretty much everything they could do short of you know a deep playoff run or winning the Super Bowl to, uh, to build a fan base. And now, obviously, uh, with all their moves in free agency which are, and trade – off-season acquisitions, um, getting Marcus Peters, getting a keep to leave, getting in Donovan Sue and Brandon Cooks, they really see that there's an opportunity there. It's a little like the Seahawks in 2012 when you've got a quarterback you're not paying a lot to load up and get the Percy Harvins of the world and try to make a Super Bowl run. And as we, you know, we've seen that work in some cities and we've seen that not work. We saw it work in San Francisco. They won the Super Bowl uh, last time they won the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it was 94 season. And we saw it just sort of come a cropper in Philadelphia when they tried to build the dream team. So that'll just be a very interesting team to watch because uh, it's such a combustible locker room now. You take it out, guys, like Alec Ogletree, who are stabilizing forces and throwing in and Dominic and Sue and, and Marcus Peters and they keep to leave the guys I mentioned. I mean, and it could be nitro meets glycerin, you know, we'll have to see in that locker room, but, it, but regardless, they're going to be a team to watch. And you talked about 
you know, all the trades and the free agencies with Sue and Akeep Tlaib and Brandon Cooks and those guys. Um, and, of course, what they say about free agency is sometimes not only do you buy the free agent, you buy the reason why he is a free agent, and that might be the case with some of these mm-hmm. guys. But is it because yeah. that L.A., you have to have star quality? Like, it's a town of stars, right? There's a Hollywood Walk of Fame. Mm-hmm. There's movie stars everywhere. Um, and we know the Lakers and Showtime, you know, all that had begun, and, and, and you know, that – permeates through all their other sports teams. Do you think that had something to do with it? I think there is an element of that. Um, you know, there, there's a bit of a void created when Kobe retired and, right. um, you know, there isn't a, uh, I gotta be careful here. Cause you know, there are, you know, Clayton Kershaw, for instance, big LA oh, sure. star, but there's, there's not a, um, true, iconic magic Johnson level. I think people sort of thought Todd Gurley would step into that role, but he, he just hasn't. I mean, he didn't have a great year in his first year back here, which is his second season. He obviously had a great year last year, but again, I don't think people look to the NFL for that because uh, the NFL just isn't as popular as baseball or basketball in LA right now. It may one day be, but it might take winning a Super Bowl for the Rams or at least the completion of the stadium and um, a little momentum in that direction. I think people are just sort of waking up to, um, you know, the, the league being back. So uh, yeah, it, it, star quality sells in LA. People want to see stars. People want to see scoring. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I think it was so huge for the Rams to become the first team in NFL history to go from 32nd to first in scoring it in one year. And, and cause I always felt like the, um, the greatest show on turf Rams were moved to St. Louis and became the quintessential LA team. You know, that was the, yeah. that was the version of the Showtime Lakers. That's uh, right. When they moved to St. Louis, ironically, it wasn't, ground Chuck and, and, uh, you know, Chuck mm-hmm. Knox were in the Rams. Um, it, it was the high flying Rams. And so, um, if they can, if they can do a night, uh, you know, a modern day version of, of that type of, and, and I'll tell you this too, it was bizarre. At one point late in last season, I think it was week 13 or 14 that this Rams team was averaging exactly to the decimal point, what the 99 Rams averaged in scoring. Crazy. So it, it was amazing, like 32.4 points a game or something. Um, mm. And so, yeah, a long way of saying, yes, star, <laughs> you know, well. stars sell in L.A. And so I think Stan Kroenke wanted to build a little constellation and hope that it would help. You have two star uh, college quarterbacks that are the talk of this draft, and they're going to affect what happens uh, here in Tampa Bay. As will, you know, uh, the Bucks. I'm sure are sitting here at number seven, hoping that at least four of those quarterbacks, you know, make it uh, ahead of them. But let's talk about um, the guys there in Los Angeles and Sam Darnold and and Josh Rosen. Um, you know, Darnold it seems to me to be sort of a Carson Palmer type, maybe. Um, I don't not just because he went to USC and and you know he's got red hair, but uh, but just um, maybe a, a, a safer type pick, if you will. 
Um, let's just talk about Darnold to start with. I mean, is there a consensus, do you think, in the NFL that that if you're if you had to only choose one quarterback and you didn't want to reach, that that would be the guy? You know, it's a little bit. I I, I hesitate to say just because of all the smoke screens that are coming up right now. Oh sure, uh, this is all liars poker. But, yeah, you know, no doubt. Yeah, so so I don't know how serious they are uh, about Josh Allen, whether he's a guy. But I will say right. this: you're exactly right on on Darnold in the comparisons with Carson Palmer. In fact, Jordan Palmer. Carson's younger brother, who is training Darnold and Josh Allen, has said before, and he's known Darnold since he was 14 years old, since Sam was 14 years old, and Jordan said he was an absolute dead ringer for my brother. He said, "Wow." Um, he said, you know, the way he dressed, the way he talked, uh, and as a kid at that age, and has been growing up, uh, he said, you know, I would say Carson had a 20% better arm, and that uh, Sam was about a 20% better athlete than Carson was at this mm-hmm. point uh, in their careers. And, uh, yeah, so I see that. I, when, I, when I think in, in very simplified terms about Darnold and Josh Rosen, for instance, and then we're going to talk about him, mm-hmm. I see Darnold as a little bit of a, um, a blunt force instrument more than, and, and Darnold more of a, a scalpel. I mean, it rose more of a scalpel as a quarterback, right? Not saying that one is necessarily better because I think, I think Darnold attitude wise, teammate wise, everything would get higher scores than, than Rosen. But Rosen is a guy who, uh, and I've said this before makes Sunday throws on Saturdays. I mean, he is like, yes. Like we saw with Jeff George, you know, I mean, it's just puts it into windows that you just don't see college quarterbacks do routinely, um, you know, makes throws sort of trusts his arm, uh, in, implicitly and makes throws that other guys just don't make. And yet, you know, people worry about his attitude. I remember a couple of years ago, every year I do a, uh, a story where I get three trusted team scouts that I've used year after year after year. And these guys are really good and have been in, you know, with teams for a long time and very experienced guys. And I said, okay, break down the USC prospects and the UCLA prospects. And then we run them the week of the USC UCLA game. It's a very popular story because some of the, often these, those schools will have first round picks uh, often, you know, these guys will be compared and here are the NFL guys anonymously breaking them down and saying, you know, I, uh, it's just valuable and they're very good. So a couple of years ago when Rosen was injured with a shoulder, um, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't going to do, I didn't really think it was fair to break down Rosen because he wasn't even playing he wasn't going to go into the league next year anyway. But I just for my own edification, I talked to the scouts about it. One guy had a line. He said, he's got an NFL skill set and arena league intangibles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's, that's pretty, pretty damning. A little different way than I've ever heard it. Now, I went back to the guy and he, uh, later after Rose, and he said the guy had really worked on it and, um, 
he liked the guy much more. He liked Rosen much more. But that's something that Rosen's had to sort of get away from for the second half of his career at UCLA is like, how do we unwind this thing? How do I put the toothpaste back in the tube and convince people that I'm a team guy, that I'm going to sell out, that I love it, that I'm et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How, whether that's fair or not, that's, that's what the dark cloud he's had to escape. And so I know that USC UCLA game this year, talking to the scouts, they said, we're going to be watching him but not watching his throws as much, not watching how he throws a, you know, 12 yard out. We're going to be watching him on the sidelines. We want to see him on the sidelines, see where he goes when they fall behind. Is he at the end of the bench or is he standing up, you know, talking to his guys or, or Mm -hmm. cheering his teammates. And I don't think that was ever a question for Donald. Guys get stuck, as you know, guys get put in a box very early. And you say, okay, that's a team guy. He's great. He checks that box. And it's tough for him to sort of get out of that box. He's always going to be viewed as a team guy and everything. Conversely, you get stuck in the selfish box. um, It's tough to escape that. Yeah. Well, Rosen's an interesting story because, um, I mean, he was a, a ranked tennis player. You've written about him um, at, at like yeah. age 12 and then hurt his shoulder. Uh, and I guess during yep. that time decided that really tennis wasn't for him. But there were some things about tennis maybe that scouts kind of liked, right? Yeah. There, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because there are things about tennis. Um, the fact that you have to forget bad points or bad shots mm-hmm. instantaneously because you could keep a rally going with a bad shot you have to put it behind you right away um, yeah. and and prepare yourself for the next shot so that short memory element that uh, that you have to have as a quarterback I think scouts like that scouts like the repetitive nature of the training you know you got to hit it to the, hit it to the baseline hit it to the baseline do that 20 times and then hit it to the right left corner 20 times so training your brain to do those repetitive things that you'll do as a quarterback. Um, and then there is the, your side of the court, which sort of approximates the pocket. And so a lot of the movement, lateral movement is the kind of stuff you'll see, uh, quarterbacks do. And, uh, you know, in fact, I talked to Matt Hasselbeck about this and he said, you know, that my trainers used to strength guys used to put me through the same workouts the linebackers go through and the, and the offensive linemen, et cetera. And he said, that's great, but put me through a tennis player's workout because it's more important for me to have that lateral quickness, et cetera. The flip side of it is it's a individual sport and it's, that's right. it might be perceived as a selfish sport and not a team yep. sport. And, right. and so you're, and he had the shoulder injury that it, it first cropped up there, then another shoulder injury in college, then a couple of concussions uh, mm-hmm. this last season. So that's at least got to give teams pause a little bit when they're investing this much in, in a player. So when you look at his attitude, Sam, and, and the thing that he's trying to overcome with this label of, of selfishness and maybe a little bit of a silver spoon, so who makes it in the NFL that right? But, it, but is he more, and I saw you know the, the piece with Aaron Rodgers with him, 
Is he more sort of the 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 cocksure kind of uh, I don't know confident to the point of arrogance of of Aaron Rodgers, or is he more I don't give a damn Jay Cutler? You know that's uh, I get more of the first vibe from him, but you know mm-hmm. it's brilliant to have him associated with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, um, it was. You know, whoever made that decision was brilliant because yes. guys want you know, because I remember and you were there at the combine when Aaron Rodgers came out in uh, nineteen ninety five or in two thousand five rather two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, you know, was was kind of snarky at you know talking to the media. He was entertaining. We of course didn't know that he was going to be uh, as good as he has become probably the best quarterback in the league, you know, but he had an edge to him. And I, I see that with, with Josh too, and my limited exposure to him. Um, I see that sort of edge where he's a little too smart for his own good, you know, I mean, he, <laughs> right. he can pick, uh, but I found him to be a, a very pleasant guy and, and, uh, you know, interesting guy. And, and I kind of like the edge of quarterbacks. I saw that covering Rich Gannon uh, when I covered the Raiders as a beat writer. I, I like the the guy who's going to challenge you with your question. You know, for you know, even Peyton, uh, he, he forces you to ask good questions because he's not just going to give you the pat answer. He's going to want to, uh, and he rewards you with really good answers for good questions. So right. I kind of like that more than just the guy who's going to be pleasant but give you nothing. Yeah, and I also like the fact – I like anybody that's going to challenge sort of the conventional wisdom of the NFL and it's it's sort of, you know, what's become sort of archaic, um, you know, rituals of – you know, and, and I like Lamar Jackson for this point too. Like, I'm not going to run the 40. Why should I? Go put on the film. I'm, I'm fast enough, you know. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of – I mean, maybe there's some millennialness to it or something like that, but I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, these guys are examined. They have enough exposure from the time they're probably 12 years old, and by the time they get to the NFL draft, if, if you can't figure out who can play and who can't, then that should be on you, not on them. Yeah, no, I, I so. agree with that. And the film doesn't lie. We have, enough, uh, we have enough footage of these guys for the people who get paid a lot of money to, mm-hmm. to make these calls. And, and so, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't have a problem with that. And if Rosen, if Rosen is all those things and closer to Aaron Rodgers, then he could end up being the best quarterback of this class. And I know some people don't think any of them necessarily will be great, but, um, I kind of, I kind of like him. So these two guys, I think, um, Sam are definitely going to go, um, way before seven or maybe in the top five. We'll see, um, let's, let's get to this, uh, this mock draft that you did. And uh, we're going to, we're going to do all seven rounds and 250 players. No, I'm not going to do that. We're just going to, we're just going to do, <laughs> we're just going to do the first round. And since I made the seventh pick, I'm happy to do it, uh, again for you. But uh, quarterbacks are, are, are they going to, are the story, right? I mean, th- those, these quarterbacks are the story. Cleveland, of course, yeah. as they do every year has the first pick, so they control the draft. Josh, uh, Josh Allen, you know, um, it could be somewhere between Carson Wentz and, and Trent Dilfer. I really don't know. Um, but, you know, there's certainly enough intrigue with him. Um, I I, I kind of think 
I agree with the picket too. But let's go through this and sort of see where uh, where Cleveland and, and other teams, people that cover those teams, decided. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, to, to pick players, and we'll, we'll make it up to seven here in just a minute. So at number one, the Cleveland Browns, their eternal search for a quarterback um, some people have said that, you know, maybe since they have the fourth pick as well, they go Saquon Barkley here and either, either, you know, trade up again or just take whoever falls to them at quarterback. But Mary Kay Cabot, who I think made the pick uh, for them in this mock draft, decided to choose who? She cho- Well, let me tell you, she chose Sam Darnold at first. And we mm-hmm. started the draft and it was Sam Darnold based on Sam Darnold went through the whole draft. And as you know, these things are, you know, they're simulated live on the, on the web, but really it takes a few days to put these together yes. because some, some writers will take 12 hours to make their pick or they'll be doing other things and you can right. only choose them sequentially. You can't pick mm-hmm. number 24 if you haven't picked number 23 yet. So if number 23, that writer wants to take all day, then, you know, anyway, uh, so we'd gotten to the to the end of that, and she had done some more uh, talking to the GM and, and people in Cleveland and wherever her sources are. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'd like to change it to Josh Allen. <laughs> 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 said, okay. okay. Well, okay. Like pulling the bottom piece out of the Jenga pile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There goes the whole draft. Because if you get the first one wrong, there's nothing right after that. Exactly. Exactly. And so I had to go and do some wheeling and dealing (laughs) and talk to the Jets and say, listen, if Sam Darnold is available there, do you take (laughs) Sam Darnold over Baker Mayfield? And and Brian Costello, who's a fine uh, New York Post writer, uh, covers the Jets, said, yes, we we, the Jets, he didn't, he didn't say we, he'd say the Jets, right, right. Uh, would take Sam Darnold there. And then Thankfully. I had to go to Mike Cliss in Denver and say, yeah. knowing that the Browns weren't going to take two quarterbacks. So I said, okay, right. I'll assume that nobody's going to take a quarterback at four if the Browns take him one at one. Mm-hmm. Mike Cliss uh, covers the, the Broncos. Uh, look, Bad news. You don't get Josh Allen. He was taken first. Would you take Baker Mayfield? And uh, Mike, I, I will say, did did, did some uh, thought about that for a long time and said, yeah, I could see that. But I don't know that that would be – that's if, if there's sort of a inflection point or a weak point there where I didn't feel like – it might come it at Denver, yeah. Rock solid. I would mm. say Baker Mayfield at five. I mean, yeah. I've had this this sneaky feeling this whole time, and maybe I'm just like a little uh, jittery after last year and what Chicago did uh, to get Trubisky. 
I, I'm thinking, what is Arizona going to try to do to move up from where they are, whatever they are, 14, 15? Oh, I don't have the draft in front of me. I'm sorry. Right, right. Uh, and what's Buffalo going to do at 12? Is Buffalo going to be so determined to get up and take a quarterback? Are they going to trade into that four spot? Or are they going to, if they can, um, and they have two picks in the first, so they have some room to negotiate, or is Arizona going to try to move up? Is somebody going to try to, are the Giants going to try to bail out of that two spot? Now, I have thought about Saquon Barkley at, at one, just because, hey, you get your most dynamic player in the draft, and then if you're not completely sold on a guy, and in love with one of these quarterbacks, you're going to get somebody at four. Right. Um, you know, you'll have a chance to get somebody, whether it's, whether that's Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold, one of those guys is going to be there. So, uh, or Josh Rosen. So, um, I, I just have this feeling like they're, they're going to be burning up the phone lines in the next couple of days and on draft day. Um, both with that two pick and at the four pick. And one of the things too, and we're always trying to read the tea leaves. I sat in on um, Hugh Jackson's uh, breakfast uh, when we did the breakfast at the NFL meetings. And he was talking about Baker Mayfield and he was talking about him in such over the top growing terms that I thought, is he trying to sell that four pick? Is he, is he now, you know, looking at that and saying, trying to intimate like, Hey, we might take Baker Mayfield. Uh, does anybody, you know, we might take, it just, to me, it's all a big, you know, football is a game of disguise and deception. Never is it more a game of disguise and deception than right now. Are you trying to, lure somebody up to that four because they think their quarterback's going to be gone. So, which would fall right into the hands of the Bucks. Push those great defensive players down. Push Quentin Nelson down. Um, you know, get four quarterbacks in a row, which has never happened. And, um, you know, get enough teams scared that they're going to have to do what the Rams did two years ago and move all the way up from 15 to one because with the rationale that if we need a quarterback, we're going to get our, we better do it now. Right. And get the one you want, not, not just the one that falls. Exactly. Get the one you want. Don't have one forced upon you. Um, so that, well, just, just going through this, I'm, I just want to kind of go through like where where we're at because um, we talked a lot about Los okay. Narrows, but but she did go with Josh Josh Allen after she changed her pick, so he's number yeah, one so to uh, Cle- Cleveland. Josh Allen, right. Uh, the one that I feel yeah. the most confident about is Saquon Barkley at two with the Giants. Um, I don't think Gettleman. Yeah. I think they look at you know, sort of a yeah. Will we be back here again? We don't know, but we know this that Eli still has a couple years left. New York wants to win another Super Bowl with him. And regardless, you could be getting the best overall player in this draft. He has not disguised his love for this guy. Um, it just seems to me that we're in a point where 
and I, and I suppose a team could make a, a trade that would blow them away too if they weren't moving too far. Um, but but it just seems to me like that that's going to happen. That that Barkley's going to go two to the Giants. Yeah, you know, you feel like by committing to uh, you know thirty seven year old Eli Manning, they're sort of saying we got to strike while the iron's hot. We got one more mm-hmm. shot here, mm-hmm. and just look around the division. And look what uh, Zeke Elliott did for the Cowboys. Look what JHI did for the Accord Climate. Some of those guys did for the Eagles in establishing a right. running game. And, uh, you know, if you can get a player like Barkley, who is by all accounts a generational player, mm-hmm. um, that, that maybe you just do that. And that's why you know, I don't think it's totally, I don't think the Browns would do that at one, but. He's certainly worthy of the top pick. Um, yes. You know, of course, the last player, last running back to be taken number one overall was uh, Kajana Carter, another yeah. Penn State running back, and that didn't work out so well. Yeah, yeah. no, those don't. And we'll go all the way back to Blair Thomas, who wasn't number one, but another Penn State running back. So, I mean, they have a history, although yeah. there's clearly no linkage. This guy could have gone anywhere. I, it was the greatest workout. Yeah. Or, he seems to be the most uh, dynamic running back since Adrian Peterson to me. But Adrian was not a guy that could yeah. catch the football the way this guy can. So we'll give him number two yeah. to the to the to the uh, to the Giants, and then number three, of course, we already talked about uh, the Jets would take a quarterback. Um, Brian Costello has them go- in that scenario taking uh, Sam Darnold. Um, maybe they like another guy better. Maybe it's Allen. Maybe it's um, maybe it's Baker Mayfield. We don't we don't really know. Uh, Cleveland. Well, um, I will say this, Brian. I'll just say this, Brian. Uh, originally had taken Baker Mayfield there. Really? Uh, yeah. So with with Darnold off the board, he had taken Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen. Interesting. That yeah. Was. So that's so yeah. that's definitely a discussion. Him. Yeah, that's a discussion they're having with the Jets, and I read you know the the Joe Namath comparisons and things like that, which is kind of funny, but um, but one never knows. He would have the attitude certainly for New York, uh, Cleveland. Um, with the fourth pick having already taken a quarterback then would have uh, their choice of, of Bradley Chubb. They'd have Quentin Nelson there. They got him taking Bradley Chubb, um, you know, pair him with Miles Garrett. Um, so that, that was the, the selection in this uh, mock draft that you did uh, for yeah. the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland I, I think, being almost as ineffective at, at uh, taking pass rushers over the years uh, yeah. as they have been with quarterbacks. Although you know, I like really Garrett. Not yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So. I do like Garrett, but uh, they, yeah, they could go that way. And, and it, a guy that could fall is Chubb, though, um, for whatever reason. But I mean, he's, I think he's clearly, from the people I've talked to, there's not a lot of edge rushers. He's clearly the best and, uh, and probably are deserving of that pick. And then that would leave the, the conundrum you, you, you had from Mike Kliss, which, which is uh, Denver, whether, whether they would trade out of that position, where, you know, I mean, uh, look, they, they spent a lot of money, um, you know, to uh, get Case Keenum and he's going to play. Mm-hmm. So whoever goes in there is not going to play as a rookie. So whether they would take a quarterback there or trade out, um, but they in, in this draft, Mike Duff, anyway, big. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. That would definitely uh, be a consideration there. Absolutely. And so the Broncos in this mock draft, they got him going to Baker Mayfield. The Colts, um, most people would agree, um, are probably going to focus on defense. That's another team that could trade out at this spot. I mean, I just think there's so many opportunities for – you know, for for the sort of, um, you know, the phone calls to be made to see how many of these quarterbacks that that people can get their hands on, because uh, there's going to be a run on them, obviously. 
but in this mock mm-hmm. draft, uh, Mike Chappell, um, who covered them for years and is now at CBS there in Indianapolis, he takes um, linebacker uh, Roquan Smith, who who might be one of the best overall players in the draft. I mean, I think defensively for sure, but um, just a, just mm-hmm. a great athlete. Uh, so he goes sort of there odd at six. To have a- Inside linebacker go that high, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little weird, and I and who knows what Ballard's going to do. I mean, um, you know, that's first year GM has to get it right. You know, um, may, yeah, may want may want more picks. I mean, I think again, I think Indianapolis is in one of those positions where if there's one quarterback still left, or maybe two, because we don't know where Lamar Jackson's going to end up, uh, he could get into this game, and he could maybe go before one of these guys. Um, so you know, I think I think. There might be, you know, quantity over over uh, any specific pick at six, but for the purpose of this mock draft, that left uh, one of the big three that we've been talking about, and that is Quentin Nelson. I chose the pick for the box. I took Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame. Um, there is a lot of talk here about the guy that went next to the Bears and Mika Fitzpatrick. Um, there's a lot of talk about Derwin James from Florida State, and. Um, and I'll say that there's some talk about uh, the Washington defensive tackle, Vita Vea. But I think that, uh, you know, under this scenario, um, the Bucks have some situations. They're right tackle, and DeMar Dotson has had knee surgery recently. He's in his ninth or tenth year. I'm not sure when he'll be back or, or to what extent. They may have to move Caleb Beninock from where they were going to play him at guard to right tackle, where he can certainly play there. Uh, and just fortifying that front three, you know, with uh, – Having gotten Ryan Jensen to play center, moving Ali Marpet to one guard spot, if you could get uh, a guy like Quentin Nelson, because Nelson, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, from what you've studied about about Nelson, does he seem like one of the cleaner players in this draft? A guy that you you would figure is going to play a long time at a high low. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, you, I get the same sort of feeling about Quentin Nelson that I got uh, about David DeCastro a few years mm-hmm. ago, back in whatever 2012. Um, yeah, it looks like, you know, at least a 10 year starter you're going to get and, and a guy who could anchor the offensive line. And, and we've seen just what that means to a team. I mean, I look at the turnaround of the Rams and yeah, you could point to Todd Gurley. You can point to the improvement of, uh, you know, guys at various positions, Jared Goff, et cetera, but getting Andrew Whitworth, and John Sullivan on the offensive line, those Whitworth might be the uh, team MVP with the way he played. And mm. so, yeah, you get the line, right. It's not a sexy pick, particularly in the top 10 uh, and an interior offensive lineman at that, but football guys know if you get the line, right, uh, you're, you're ahead of the game. So, and, it, and if the line isn't right, uh, it screws everything up. So yeah, yeah. if you can get a, if you can get an anchor uh, cornerstone player that you can build around, then um, then you know you're you're a lot better off than most teams. Yeah, it's not sexy, but it's something that I think they would do, and um, you know they very well could trade out of this spot if there's a quarterback there, and and be happy with uh, any of those defensive players that would still be you know maybe on the board. Presumably, I'll leave you with this. Uh, so much talk about the New England Patriots and Belichick and just the brilliance. You know, they're, they're sitting with a couple first round picks, albeit low ones. Um, but they've had one quarterback in, and that's Jackson. We we assume that Brady's not going to play till he's fifty. But 
who knows? Um, I guess he, he didn't, you know, his agent did announce surprise, surprise. He'll be back next year. Uh, with TV yeah. 12 and all that, but just, just tell me, do you, is there going to be, is there going to be something that we're, are we going to be talking about the new England Patriots when this draft is over and say, wow, why didn't everybody see that? Well, I mean, you look at the history of what they've done in the first round. It is pretty remarkable. The guys that they've found who have, uh, who have maybe been sort of curveball type picks that have really worked out for them. And with two picks, which is really strange to see them with two picks, and the, the fact that they moved up, they, they got that 23 pick from the Rams, it really feels like, to me, they're going to take a quarterback. And, I mean, I look at Mason Rudolph, who's the guy I spent some time with uh, here in L.A. as he was mm-hmm. working out with Russell Wilson. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. Like, if you feel that you can get him, Oklahoma State's quarterback, um, at at the number 23 spot, then uh, now Ben Volan, the great writer for the Boston Globe, had them taking a, I think it was Connor Williams, maybe uh, one of the offensive tackles. Um, but to me, maybe if there's an early run on quarterbacks, that's one guy who slips through the cracks and you wind up taking. And then you take, then you take either, you know, an offensive tackle, you take one of the good, good, but not spectacular corners in this draft. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that level just below me, Fitzpatrick. Uh, and there are several of those guys. Um, maybe you do that, but Belichick, I'm sure has something up his sleeve because he always does. And, and we might be looking back at this and saying, yeah, look, they didn't hit on both their picks, but look who they did get in the first round, you know, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> that's and one more thing is we as we're talking about Quentin Nelson. I'd be a little surprised if he gets past the Colts. You know, you True. look and Andrew Luck has been hit more than any quarter, obviously out last season, but up until last season had been hit more than any quarterback in the league in yeah. his first four years in the league. Um. Wouldn't you want to get that right before you start worrying about an inside backer? I don't know. I, I, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's where you, I, I think your yeah, brain structure is back there. That was the biggest mistake of the last GM in 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 Griggs that, that you know he didn't get it right, and that's why um, you know what was arguably a generational quarterback has spent two years now trying to trying to fix his his shoulder. So um, right. we'll see if Andrew Luck even makes it back. I mean, that's a tragic story if it, if it doesn't if he doesn't, but. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think you'd be smart to do that. I think that's why the Bucks would consider it because they have Jameis Winston, and and you want to keep guys off their feet, um, you know. And so many great players play the defensive tackle position now that that you have to account for. So absolutely. Um, so basically, any of these things will screw up the Bucks draft, and so we have no good news for Bucks fans tonight. But uh, <laughs> but that's okay because I want to I want to just temper their enthusiasm right now. It's just well, I, it's I a will little, say uh, that you have a excellent track record on these mock drafts so i always uh uh i trust you when i hear that uh yeah i don't know I if it's that good i, I wrote a column i get there yeah I, I i'm not sure he will and, and i wrote a column just recently that uh about how the the bucks actually lovey smith's first year decided to deliberately target me uh to to let everybody know how much they loved johnny football and johnny manzel and to the point where mel kuyper picked them 
at number seven for the Bucks instead of the guy they really wanted the whole time, which was Mike Evans. So forget everything I know. <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm not. They've played me <laughs> once. They're not going to play me again. So. What do I know? But, uh, hey, Sam, I could literally talk yeah. to you all night. I appreciate so much of your time. It's a busy time. Yeah, and, great, and, uh, great. You guys, you guys you, ha- you have to come Anytime. back on again. I really appreciate it. You can reach Sam on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. Um, and that is uh, LA, Times LA Times Farmer. Farmer. Is that right? Yeah, at LA yep. Times Farmer. LA so, Sam, thanks so much. We'll, uh, we'll see how it all turns out. My pleasure, buddy. So the Tampa Bay Lightning waiting to see who they're going to play in the next round of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, and there's no decision yet. That's because Toronto beat Boston on Monday night, and they won 3-1, to one. so that series will now go to another game. So it looks like, Steve, that the game one will be at Emily Arena. We know that part, but probably probably Friday or Saturday for game one of the next round, right? Most likely Friday or Saturday. Uh, there's an event at the arena Sunday. Jeff Dunham's there. So game two, most likely Monday. So Friday, Saturday for game one, probably Monday for game two. That schedule may come out later tonight. As we're taping this, they have not announced the schedule yet. But Boston, Toronto, uh, game seven, Wednesday night, 7.30, winner plays the Lightning. Now, are you still quickly of the opinion that uh, if the if the Lightning had their choice, they would choose Toronto over Boston? Uh, I think Boston's a tougher matchup for the Lightning. Okay, uh, I think just the, the, I think Toronto and the Lightning are very similar in, in the style mm-hmm. and everything else. I mean, Boston's a fast team too, but I, I think Boston's a tougher matchup. But uh, Toronto's extremely extremely good team, and you know, coming back, they were down three one to Boston. Now they they're sending it to a game seven. Um, I mean, Toronto's nothing to sneeze at. No, they're playing very, very well, and, and you're right that they had more success against Toronto. But, boy, talk about the mecca of hockey in Canada. That that place is crazy up there. I'm reading tweets uh, that people have never heard the Air Canada Centre that loud as it was in the final minute of that game tonight as they held on uh, to win. It was it was really a lot of fun just to, uh, to see those people into it and to see – um, Toronto now have a game seven. Of course, it will be in Boston. And if you're a uh, Lightning that, fan, you know, I think you're hoping for Friday for a game one, so that sure. the, team, the team gets less turnaround. They they play Wednesday night and then they got to play. You know, come to Tampa on Thursday and play Friday. Yeah, you're hoping for three overtimes, is what you're. Oh, really that too. For. That too. Yeah, let, let them go six <laughs> overtimes till about three in the morning, and then you know play in Tampa on Friday night. Absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, the Rays begin a series uh, in Baltimore today and or tonight. It'll be Alex Cobb on the mound. Uh, interesting story in the Tampa Bay Times or on TampaBay.com. Mark Tompkin had a chance to talk to Alex Cobb and some of the former, the X-rays, if you will, and talked about how, you know, sort of the culture has really changed uh, in Tampa and, and a lot of the players are in St. Petersburg with the Rays and a lot of players just believe that, you know, if you're there, you're just there to be traded or play out your contract and that they're not really as serious about winning anymore. So interesting comments by Alex Cobb. We'll see if the Rays can Keep their streak alive. They won four in a row. Hey, we thank you for joining us. Uh, we're here each Monday through Friday, and we've got a lot going on this week, of course, with the Stanley Cup playoffs resuming. The NFL draft on Thursday. We'll be talking a lot about that this week, and uh, you can always reach us. We love the interaction. You can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, at SportsDayTB, or myself at NFL Stroud, and online at R Stroud at Tampa Bay. Dot com. We'd love for you to rate and review this podcast, Steve. Where can they do that? Anywhere you get your podcast, so whether you're getting it through iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. You can rate, review, like the, the podcast right there. Or you can always go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episode's there. You can do the same there as well. 
My thanks to Sam Farmer. We'll have uh, more information on the draft for you this week. And I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. First, Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.